that every show, and I would laugh every single time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Frightmares. I am your host, Austin Proctor, and uh, across the table today is Corey Johnson. hey uh, We have a special guest who will be joining us on the second half of this episode. Um, we figured we would just kind of uh, bullshit, talk about some movies that we've seen recently, and then we are going to have Mr. Nigel Bach call in. Uh, he is the director of eight Bad Ben movies, I believe, something and, like that. And soon to be his own producer on his own channel network through Amazon. Yeah, it's and a, like a TV, TV TV station yeah. or, or channel or something on these on these uh, devices. So that's pretty fucking cool. Um, I mean, this is the first celebrity we've ever had. Uh, first, like, I mean, first, definitely first director for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so that's I, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty fucking stoked. We've got a whole list of questions here that we're gonna uh, ask him and uh, just kind of figure out, you know, what got him into making movies, what got him into horror, and all of that stuff. So it should be pretty. I'm I'm really fucking excited for this. It's funny. I was emailing him back and forth, and he was like, "Do I can like do I have to keep it clean?" And I was like, "Fuck no, dude. No, <laughs> like, no. do not have to keep it clean. We swear like sailors." So he's like, "Yeah, I, I kind of have a you know, like a bad mouth." I was like, "It's fine. Yeah, it's like, go you're, ahead. You're totally fine. I've seen your movies. Trust yeah. me, it's fine." <laughs> It's fine. So your, your, um, your movies are pretty tame to some of the stuff that we watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have him uh, buzz in a little bit later. But uh, I just wanted to talk about just some stuff we've watched recently. I mean, I've I've watched so many things that we haven't actually talked about on on air. So uh, figured I'd just rattle off some shit I've been watching recently. Let me pull it while while I'm Dude. doing this, huh? I said, do it, do it. I'm gonna pull up my uh, my diary, not my diary. Well, my diary and letterbox. That sounded weird. No, I, I keep all my films I've ever watched in a diary. <laughs> June tenth, seventeen seventy six. On this day, uh, it, it was hot today. We could not grow our grain. <laughs> Welcome to Florida. It's fucking always hot. Um, so let's see. Oh yeah. So the one of the movies I recently saw was uh, Fantasy Island. I don't believe we've talked about this yet. Uh, and I know you haven't seen it, so I won't go into Not much. Yet. I'll just give you my opinions. Uh, I really felt it was a strong opening and a strong... So the first and second act were awesome. And then it just fell apart in the third act. It was just all this like kind of finger pointing and just this and that. And I was like, I don't know what's going on anymore. And I'm not really into this, but... Yeah, I mean... I still gave it a three. Like, still a good movie, but... There's only so much you can expect from from a movie... Made from a 70s TV show. Right. So there's, I mean, yeah, they can end it completely differently, but Bloomhouse well, isn't going to do that. Well, and and plus, wasn't the uh, wasn't the show not like horror or anything? No, it was like thriller. Was it? Okay. I, was, I wasn't sure exactly no, what it, it was. It was. It was like action thriller drama. Um, I would definitely not consider it horror, but also things at that time period weren't also super scary either in the 70s. That is true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, good movie. First and second act were strong. I liked the comedy in that movie. I felt they played the line between comedy and horror almost perfectly, and uh, the acting was really, really good. But And um, uh, Michael, was it Michael Pena, Pena, whatever, yeah. him as Rourke. Or fuck, whatever his name was. I think it was Rourke, the guy who runs the island. He was fucking hilarious. But yeah, just at the end, you're kind of like, uh, I don't really know exactly what happened. Mm. And if you don't know what Fantasy Island and the premise or P Fantasy Island is, the premise is um, 
It's an island that you, I guess they they win something and they get to fly there and your wildest fantasy comes true. Like whatever you want happens. But then you realize that, oh, like you have to play it all the way through and they don't always go as you think and shit just goes down. So again, really, really good movie. Just did not stick the landing, unfortunately. But the, I, the island version of a genie. <laughs> it really is. Except you don't get three wishes, you get one and you don't know how it's going to end. So Yeah, well, you don't know how the... Genie wishes are gonna. Happen. No, I'm, I'm. I like that comparison. Yeah. That was good. It's just really funny. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. I actually watched it at the AMC Dine and and Al or not Altamont and um, Disney Springs. That's really cool. If you get a chance, I've never done dining besides the uh, Loma Cinema. So, so <laughs> I went and saw the Lion King in 3D when it came out in 3D in like 2012. 2010. Wait, what? Yeah, so Disney re-released the uh, Lion King animated movie. Really? But they made it a 3D theater experience. God, I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. It, it was like 2010, 2011. Um, pretty I, fucking rad. And I went to the AMC Dine-In and watched it, and it was awesome. Yeah, dine-in is the way to go. People can bring you food and beers, and it's just the way to uh, yeah, just be, the way to live. Uh, that's a that's an eleven dollar Budweiser right there, buddy. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the the large beer I got was like twelve bucks, but I mean it was like it was like a like a thirty two or thirty six ounce like big ass cup. I was like okay, and I got the Hefeweizen, so uh, yeah, feeling cause, good. Because I was about to say uh, thirty two ounces of Heineken is still thirty two ounces of Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good beer. I got good beer for twelve bucks because it's like they all have the same price. I'm like I want the I want the best one with yeah. the highest ABV. So. Anyways, if you can go see a movie and dine in, I recommend it. I don't know. I had a fun time. Never really done that before, and uh, it was a good time. So uh, what's something you've seen recently? <sighs> I went and saw Gretel and Hansel. Oh, nice. Okay, let's get your opinion. Yeah, I I don't know if it was because I caught the late show. I don't know if it was my level of inebriation. I don't know. <laughs> the, there could have been a lot of factors to it. I just wasn't about it. It was shot really nice. I liked all the actors. Yeah. All the actors were great. It's just, I was like, okay, but okay. Okay. So you're trying to be like semi-modernistic grim fairy tale like because they kept it very vague on what the actual like what era it was. Yeah. Because they start you off thinking like, oh, this is back in like Victorian times. And then they're like, hmm, just being a little too modern. For I I don't know huh. it was it was a whole thing, uh, it, it it's probably really good. I'll probably watch it again when it comes out on like VOD or Redbox or yeah. something. Um, I just I just couldn't get into it because y it goes in saying, oh, we're gonna be the gr the brothers Grimm version of this fairy tale. Nice, but they kind of, they don't leave you with all of the good shit that came from the Grimm tales. True, yeah, the blood, the death, the gore. Well, it was PG thirteen, so you know. Yeah, but you can do, you can get away with a lot nowadays for PG thirteen. Well, you're allowed one fuck <laughs> for PG thirteen. You can one. show me some blood. Well, I will say that with uh, Fantasy Island for it being being PG thirteen, it was actually the horror elements were really really well done for it not having that you know that hard R rating. So so exactly, it, it you can get you can, can be do done. a lot. Yeah, you can do a lot of stuff. With a with a little bit, there so. was it was just, I don't know I just I loved it I thought it was creepy and yeah again it was just shot oh, so the, beautifully oh, oh yeah my no the God. the set pieces look like Disney and Tim Burton combined <laughs> and got together then with H R Giger no nice it, it, the visuals are fantastic it's a beautiful movie it's just like okay another monologue by the girl 
Cool. Yeah, I, that's one thing I was not too fond of was the her inner monologue throughout the movie. Of like, why? Why? And I've I've been so I've been saying this since the start. All the it children are good in that movie. Don't go out and get your other movies. You're ruining it. Well, see, <laughs> but she's doing good because she's actually got a show coming out on Netflix called. Um, I'm not okay with this or something like that. I think she stars on that. Okay. I, I'm okay with her, but I don't know. Finn Wolfhard is besides Stranger Things and it. I don't know. I'm not. He's not great in the turning. So I'm hoping that he kind of we'll, turns we'll, it around. We'll and, <laughs> <laughs> dumb and, shit. And we'll see how he does in uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I'm, well. I'm. I'm hoping that's where he kind of. You know, finds his own way because yeah, I don't want all these kids going off and doing their own shit. Like, uh, like can can we just be done with Ghostbusters? Do we need that anymore? Because I don't need that anymore. I'm. I didn't need Ghostbusters two. I don't think anybody did. Um, <laughs> it was like that one was okay. I mean, first one was great. Second one not so great. I didn't even watch the one that was female driven just because I heard it was so terrible, and that's my fault. I should just go make my own opinion, but. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a nostalgia thing at this point, not about making a good movie. But okay, so how can you make it nostalgic when you are like they're they're not even making it for our demographic anymore? It's like kids now, yeah. so they want kids to get into Ghostbusters. How is it nostalgic for people that have never seen it? Well, they they may have seen it, but I'm saying it's nostalgic for people who know what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's and that's what's driving it. I feel like you know because they got the whole cast back. They've got Paul Rudd. They've got Finn Wolfhard. So it's like they have. You know, a young kid that everyone's been seeing in Stranger Things, but then they also have all those, you know, old guys for us, not old timers, but, you know, that's, people have watched those movies. Um, Boomers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I'm, am I going to go see it? Of course. Uh, am I going to love it? Probably not, unless I do some crazy ass shit in that movie, which, I, I mean, I don't know. I have no expectations. Yeah. That's um, Jason Reitman, I believe, is directing it, who I believe did the first one. So, at least we got that. But, I mean... Other than that, I don't know. You know, they have the whole cast coming back, which is cool, but I'm just with you. Like, do we really need this? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, just, just make one new idea, please. Just, yeah. just one. I will tell just you. one this year. Just one. Yeah, because, dude, it's been, like, just remake after remake. After, after re sequel. Yeah, and just, like. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I am a hyped as fuck for Quiet Place 2, but, like. Give me something new. No, see, I'm I'm super stoked for that. Well, hey, okay, we have Antlers coming out, all right? Okay, fair. That's going to be fucking sick. It is. That's my most anticipated of the year so Although far. Although, I'm for some reason, I have the feeling that it's going to be kind of Slenderman-y. It's, it's a creature feature. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I also haven't seen the Red Band trailer. So I, ha I, I refuse yeah. to watch it. Yeah, I refuse. I want to. So, yeah, I don't know what it's going to be. But also, Slenderman's a creature, so. Well, he's he. from what I've gotten from the first trailer, it's almost like the ritual monster in a sense of that's, where it's got, like, the antlers and it's got. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm actually thinking that it's going to be, like, a Wendigo. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And now that it has the, the like, the hard R on it, I'm like, fuck yeah, because I was hoping that wouldn't be PG-13. But once I saw Red Band, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, it's going to be R. So excited for that movie. That comes out, uh, I think it comes out in April. Yeah. Yeah. Two more months. I'm super stoked Is it for April that. or is it March? I'll double check right now. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Fucking antlers. Yeah, that was, uh, that was on our talking. We talked about that at the beginning of the year. And when I came across that one and read the description, I was like, fuck yeah. It is April 17th, no, 2020. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the kid in it. Oh, that fucking ginger hair kid. I think April 17th is like right around when 
Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out. A remake of a video game? Yeah. Oh. Well, all right. <laughs> it's going to be 100 gigs. That is a lot of gigs. Yeah. That's too many. Well, that'll be an interesting weekend for all of us if that game comes out and uh, you know, we have this awesome movie coming out. Uh, let's see what else I've watched recently. So we got Fantasy Island. Uh, that was the last episode we did. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Noroi. Nori? Nori. Norioi, the curse. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> that was... Uh, Whoa. So number one, it was a foreign found fo- foreign found footage movie. That's a lot to say. <laughs> a lot of Fs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it it was very interesting in the fact that it was a found footage that was not American. I know of like two or three of those. You got like Troll Hunter, there's and that's a, it. <laughs> no, that's no, it. no. There's a German one that I've seen that I can't remember what it is at the moment. Anyway, but yeah, there are a few, but they always are on the same type of formula. Normally, it's like a ghost or a monster. Right. This one was like a demon, but not a demon type of thing. I don't know. It was like a demon, but it was also a ghost that had been around for thousands of years, but was actually able to be sealed on literal underground, not in hell, but like literally under the ground. It was very strange. Um, it also had a score, which when you said, yeah. it was like, oh, this found footage movie has a score. That's weird. And I was like, huh, okay. And then I started watching it. And when the big epic scene happens where the big score comes in, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. But then if you rewind it, you're like, oh, shit, this is not a score the entire movie. And it's, yeah. it's just so lightly peppered in. You're like, okay, cool. That's whatever. But no, like there's music playing through the entire movie. And you're like, what the fuck? How well, did I not notice this? Well, it's funny because like it doesn't make sense because you know it's just supposed to be compiled footage that someone threw together. But in the same sense, if they wanted to throw music behind it, I guess. But it's just not typical for for found footage to yeah. have a score. So it was throwing me off. I'm like, I don't. Uh, all right, I mean, it worked, but it was yeah. just, it was just weird as fuck. Uh, basic basic premise: uh, documentary filmmaker is exploring seemingly unrelated paranormal incidents connected by the legend of an ancient demon called the Kata Kagutaba. So it's almost kind of like ghost stories in a sense. If you've seen that anthology, where it's this guy going around, you know, documenting certain events and stuff like that. But it this I don't know. This was. The ending sequence alone, I, I sat there and I was just like... Oh, oh. oh yeah, that ending <laughs> sequence, you're just like, what? Yeah, when you find out why, because, uh, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they talk about this guy's house being, you know, set on fire. You find out how it got set on fire, and you're just like, Pew, done. Fucking, it blew my... It, dude, that was a crazy-ass ending. So, on that subject, I have two things about this movie. One, one. good thing, one good bad thing. D- or one, <laughs> one good thing... Wait, what? One bad thing. <laughs> okay, go for it. So... The good thing is I love and appreciate when a movie sets you up something in the beginning and then the very final scene of that movie is how the beginning happened. I appreciate that. Thank you for bringing me back full circle. Oh, God. However. Okay. (laughs) Filmmakers who may or may not be listening to this podcast, do not shoot your movie where everything is either whispered or screamed (laughs) that is the most because like i was watching this with my girlfriend at her house like late at night and we had to either turn her sound bar up like five clicks or turn it down to like a level 11 Hmm. because it would it would be so quiet "Ah!" 
and then all these women would start screaming <laughs> and it was just like dude come on like i don't want to wake up people across the street with <laughs> screaming sh- with shrieking d- japanese women <laughs> that's not how i want to wake no. up <laughs> so yeah the, it, it was a good movie though yeah. um what'd you give it did you rate that one i have not rated it yet i would probably give it like 3.5 yeah i gave it, it a four it could have been optimized a little better. Like if you're going to give us subtitles, put the uh, put the box around the subtitles and like have it drop set so you can't read what the actual Chinese is. Yeah, because that was the problem. They had Chinese subtitles and then American over it or English. And I was like, I don't wait. There's uh, too much happening. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah. And which made it a, li- a little bit more difficult to follow the quote unquote timeline through the movie. Right. Because you're like, okay, so they give you a date of wh- on when the movie is opening. And that is the obvious last thing in sequence of history right so then like all right this was now six months ago all right so now we're six back six months back from the original date and then they don't give you like two days after three days after they give you just like actual dates so the night the night the incident happens is like in february 7th yeah so you go six months back from that and it's like uh september 12th or whatever and then they're like okay now it's august 14th now it's december 31st now it's like and i was like <laughs> too many numbers too many every scene change where they're going where they're going from like all right we're we're meeting with these people to talk about this now all right, now we're meeting with these people to talk about subject B. From that to that, they switch times and they put it up. So now every scene change, you're having to keep track of numbers. Yeah, and that just seems kind of arbitrary after a certain point. Like, I don't need to know every single fucking day that's ever been existed in this movie. I just yeah. don't need. I just don't need it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't. It was just. It was just something I hadn't seen, so I gave it a little bit more just because I was like, I've never I, seen a like that's a foreign. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was pretty good. That was streaming on uh, Amazon, I believe. Shutter. Or Shutter, yeah. I never know which one's which because I have mine linked up. So go check that out. It, I mean, it's got really good marks on I'll tell you what. On Letterboxd. Shut- the Shutter app, like just by itself, is very odd to use if you come from the Amazon side where it's just like a click and scroll. Yeah, done. Yeah, it, it's got a whole different user Weird. interface. I will say with Amazon and Shutter, they don't have enough like uh categories they'll have like what's new and like fucking popular and then they have like thriller and something else and, you're, and like that's it that's all they have for like categories i'm like where's like i need yeah, like thriller no, like no break you, that no, down you, no shutter wants you to be like all right you're here you know what you want <laughs> type it in that's true though i mean <laughs> you go to shutter and you search for something it's honestly like it's like eight times out of ten it'll probably be there yeah they have the most bizarre shit on on shutter and when you have amazon combined with that I mean, they they definitely have the best horror selection. Even Amazon over Netflix or Hulu, like Amazon's I mean, got a pretty uh, fucking dope uh, selection. Hulu's got Hulu's picking up some steam though. They have the end of the dark shit that I really need to start watching. They have they've done like two seasons and they're on their third or something like that. So I say seasons because they yeah that's what they call them according to IMDb. So I really need to get on that. I would love to do a. Um, like a, a an episode based around like four of those because they've got a lot of them have really good uh, really good ratings so check that shit out if you have who to the loo. Um, so outside of horror, which I know is blasphemy. What uh, <laughs> what? I'm shaking my fist. Have you been watching the uh, McMillions docu series? I 
don't even know what that is. So, so <laughs> what you, even? So you know the Monopoly game at McDonald's, right? Oh, it's the guy who like cheated the system to win all the things yeah, with the stuff. Yeah, for like three decades. Oh Jesus! Like millions and millions of dollars. Mm. Like, God, I wish I was that smart. I think it was from like seventy nine to two thousand and two or something. Jesus! That nobody except it, the people in that family won. Hmm. It was, I mean, you could, you could win like a free small fry or like whatever. Hey, I've won that buddy. All yeah. right. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so have I, that's why I play the game. Cause I just want the free food. Yeah. I'm not trying oh. to win a fucking Corvette. That shit ain't going to happen. No, but literally everybody that won like the million dollars, the Corvette, the boat, the, it's, they all come from the same family. Wow. Yeah. All right. It's crazy. It's a horror story for McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> for them, it's horror. Yeah. We're losing all this money. What the fuck is no, happening? But, but see, here's the thing. They wouldn't be losing that money anyway. They're going to give it to somebody. Yeah, that's true, I guess. They just yeah. weren't expecting to give it to the same people over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's on HBO, and it's it, they release an episode every week. So oh, I, think, I think it's only episode three right now, so you could totally catch up on it. Well, Netflix needs to start doing that, because they released all the... Here's a season. Binge it, then wait a year, you <laughs> sick fuck. Like, God damn it. I wish they would release yeah, stuff weekly, honestly. Yeah. I would wait. Um, all right, let's talk about one more movie here that I just watched recently that I thought I had seen, but apparently hadn't, and that is the Poughkeepsie tapes. So oh, much yeah. for my eyeballs. That's a that movie's fucked. My, Holy shit! My first watch through of it, I was just angry at it because it's so low quality yeah. and so shaky cam. That I was like, all right, this is giving me a headache. And then my second watch through of it, which was like, I don't know, two or three years ago, I was like, you know what? This is a very underrated, very dark and disturbing movie. No, it really is. Because yeah. I remember texting, like, messaging you during it because I was like, okay, I must have never seen the Poughkeepsie tapes because I'm watching this and I really feel like I would have remembered how horrifying this is. But I probably got it confused with. The Vatican tapes or the last tapes or, or the dark tapes. Yeah. Or it's the, There's so many the tape tapes, the tape tapes, the, the tapes of tapes, the guy that wraps packing tape around things on YouTube. Who knows? <laughs> so I'm watching this movie and uh, basically uh, hundreds of videotapes. Uh, I think the police come across all these videotapes of torture and murder and dismemberment. They're found in this abandoned house. Uh, they reveal a serial killer's decade long reign of terror and then, uh, you know, just becomes the collection of the most disturbing, you know, homicides detectives have ever seen. And I was just my, I, I watched that with Gabby. She was fucking not happy because I was like, let's put this on. This has got good ratings. I've oh, yeah, never, I've seen this before. Because it's basically like, all violence against women. Yeah, it's all like it's like it's like torture porn against women, and it's dude, it is just it I, is brutal. Though. I'm pretty sure that's based off something that actually happened. Yeah, it did. It's it's you know in the beginning it was like you know based off true events. You know we'd all know how loosely that can be interpreted, yeah. but it did say it was based off of like real things. It's like that's even more terrifying. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, I'm not gonna go into anything and, and else. The, and I th one of the best things about that movie is you almost never or very rarely get to see like the killer himself and right, when right. you when you do you never see his face yeah never it's it's like either shot from chin down or if he's full body it's like he's got like some sort of get up on but no mostly it's he's behind the camera just fucking sm with smacking people. Uh, smacking women around yeah. 
So it's it's if you're not into those types, which I'm not, I really hate the violence against women. But I mean, it was it was just so fucked up. I was like, God damn, this is gonna haunt me for a while. I went to bed and I was like, Yep, can't sleep now because I watched it right before bed, like you do with any horror movie, right? Because I'm an idiot. Uh, so yeah, that's actually on Amazon too. I think that they added that recently because I was just scrolling and I saw the Poughkeepsie tapes. I was like, Ooh, I've seen that. Let's put that on. Never seen it, I guess. So I gave that I gave that a four just because I thought it was fucking brutally fucked up. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I I haven't seen it in a while. I, I know I haven't seen it since I've started doing Letterboxd, but I, I would probably put that at like a three and a half. Yeah. Three. Yeah. If you get some time and you have some, if you want, I would I would rewatch it if I hadn't just seen it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's it's also one of those movies that like sit down, turn the lights off. Oh yeah. Like focus on it. Have some drama mean just in case, because it's it, pretty shaky. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's shaky with like 2002 Sony Handycam. Well, yeah, because you know this was this came out in 2007, but you know it's it's it looks like it came out in '96. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> bad shaky cam. So, uh, but uh, yeah, and, and just the resolution of the video itself it's very is, poor. Yeah, it's just very poor. It's like looking at a rice field. <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> Grainy. Grainy. Ah, you <laughs> son of a bitch. All right, we're going to end on a high note. When we come back, we will have Nigel Bach on the phone, and we're going to get into just a whole shit ton of questions. So uh, stay tuned. So uh, welcome back to episode 37 of Frightmares. Uh, I've got, you know, Corey over here in the house. Hey-o. Uh, I'm Austin, of course, and we have a special guest on the line, Mr. Nigel Bach. Oh, it's, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, he is the director of many Bad Ben movies. Uh, I know we've talked about, I think we talked about the first six on air when we talked about it, you know, 20 episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and now we've got the director, so this is very, very exciting for us. I'll, I'll kick it over to Corey. I'll let you ask him some questions, because I know you're probably even more excited than I am, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm fucking well, stoked. Because this is my discovery. Yeah, this is, <laughs> uh, so you discovered this, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. So go ahead and just, you know, let's let's pop him the first question. Yeah, here. So, so one of the things we always do when we're doing interviews with people or bringing new people onto the shows, we ask them, you know, what got you into horror? Uh, so if you could tell us a little bit about that, that'd be really awesome. This may surprise you, but I'm not the biggest horror fan in the world. I like horror movies, but the reason I got into making horror movies was because I have the tools to actually do it. Now, with that being said, last week I happened to, you know, I was all excited and giddy like a schoolgirl when I found out that Annabelle was on HBO that night, uh, the last Annabelle film. So I do like horror. And I'm the type of person that'll turn the lights out but to watch it and then, you know, grab a blanket and cover myself up like the wuss that I am. However, <laughs> I, I am actually a big sci-fi fan. Oh, okay. How I got into doing this all in the first place was I was producing small market TV commercials for Comcast cable advertising. 
And like, you know how you'll see a commercial for Pizza Hut that's usually played regionally or nationwide? Yeah. Right. I'd be, I'd be the guy that would be doing commercials for like Joe's Pizza down the corner. Oh. Oh, yeah. So we, we actually have a thing like that here in Orlando. Uh, there's a place called Appliance Direct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's this guy and his family. And they're just these wacky Orlando people that do stuff for their scratch and dent appliance stores. So I, I totally know what you mean when you're talking about... Uh, local stuff that's awesome that's awesome yeah well well the tv advertising is incredibly cheap for local businesses to do because let's face it if you've got an appliance store in down there in florida people aren't driving from texas to buy a refrigerator right so to put a commercial on during the super bowl would be stupid however to put a commercial on during an nba game and just insert it locally, it's it's quite affordable, surprisingly so. Mm. But anyway, that's what I was doing. I was doing commercials for them. And I'd also been screenwriting for years. Mm. And after screenwriting for about 10 years, I finally took a course in it and realized everything I was doing wrong. Huh. So then I started actually writing screenplays in the proper format. Wow. But it's so tough, so tough to break into the industry. Oh, yeah, I, I can friends, imagine. <laughs> Yeah, well, for a variety of reasons, which I'll get into if that's where the conversation goes. Okay. But friends would say to me, hey, you have cameras. Why don't you make your own films? And what they don't understand is just because you own a camera doesn't mean you can make Avatar. <laughs> right, right. You need millions of dollars plus so much other stuff. Right, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Right. <laughs> I did know, however, that with the cameras I had, I could make a found footage film like Paranormal Activity or The Blair Witch Project. That's what led me to make Bad Then. So going back real quick, uh, going into your TV commercials and stuff, did you have any like schooling or training on that? Or did that just kind of fall into your lap one day and you went at, you learned as you went? In high school, we had, and, and realize I'm 400 years old. So, <laughs> so back when I was in high school under a gas lamp, we were, uh, I actually, my high school had a video production class. And that's actually the only video production class I ever had. And back then, the editing was so much tougher to do. You had to have like a VCR as an input and to the one you were recording and cutting between, it was a nightmare. God. Now, how, how much of this stuff you could do on a computer is just, you can even alter frames if you need to. It's just so much easier today. Well, most things are easier today than they were even five or 10 years ago. Right. Wow. Okay. So as now I went off on that tangent and I forgot what your question was. You're <laughs> saying about those, about yeah. doing TV commercials. Yeah, yeah, just, um, if you had had prior like teaching for that or if it just kind of fell into your lap, but yeah, you video, uh, video not really. I, I, I'm pretty much self-taught. I just Adobe products, which are what I use for editing are so user friendly in, in, uh, in about 80% of their functionality that a person with zero experience can get on Adobe and, uh, and and teach themselves in a very short time and be effective with it. Yeah. Now, people that spend a lot of time with it and get into stuff like After Effects and all those different products can do unbelievable things. In fact, the 
the industry, the entertainment industry is using Adobe in a lot of their editing because of everything it can do. So I'm pretty much self-taught. Right on. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome for you. Just yeah, just doing it yourself, and you've made you made like an empire of movies. That's, yeah, that, that's amazing. That, that makes your film career that much more impressive to me. Being self-taught. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Wow, you want to? Well, go obviously on? you obviously you guys don't watch a lot of film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, dang. Um. So no, I, I do I do consider myself a very lucky individual when it came to the following these things have generated. Yeah. And I think I think part of part of that success is just your your genuineness in the movies, because all of it feels like you're putting yourself in there. Because some found footage uh, found footage movies, you're like, all right, you're you it's can a stretch. Yeah, it, yeah. I can tell that actor's there for a paycheck. You look like you're in there just having fun with it, and it conveys this energy of all right. Let's let's get into this movie. Well, I can relate more. to it just because I would have pretty much the same reactions as him running around my house screaming, "What the fuck is you know like? Yeah, what just, the fuck's going on?" <laughs> yeah, I didn't move that chair. No, fuck you. Stop moving. Yeah, it's it's, it's very it's real to me. Yeah, like, it's I, it's not walking around going hello and screaming it. Yeah, cats jumping out of windows. <laughs> it's it's more what? of like what everybody else would actually be doing in that situation. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I wasn't originally supposed to be in any of it. Really? The original, the original plan when I decided to do a, a found footage film was I was going to get a group of actors. I want. I was so used to the teenage girl and her and her boyfriend in a film and her getting chased around. You know, these slasher flicks that I was kind of headed in that direction, and I put an ad on a website called mandy.com, which is in, in, I think, run out of New York. And I was looking for actors, and I had a group of actors respond. I actually had six actors respond, and it was going to be three couples. A girl's home, I was using my home because it was free, and a girl was going to be home alone. Her parents were going to be away. And her boyfriend comes over and they invite two other couples over. And one by one, they're picked off by something until she's the only one left. Hmm. So what happened is as we approached the shooting date, now, mind you, these people had never met me. And unlike a lot of people that are aspiring to break into the acting business that work for nothing, I was actually paying these actors to be in this. Oh, wow. But one by one, as the date approached, they dropped out until all I was left with was the female lead. And so I said, you know what? I'll just, I'll take a chance here and I'll just shoot this with just her in the house and we'll see how it goes. Well, that didn't quite work out because the Wednesday before we were supposed to start shooting, which was that Saturday, I'm driving home in a, in a driving rainstorm. It's pouring. And I get a text from her that says, can't be in your film moving to LA. Good luck. Oh, wow. You hadn't paid her yet. Had you? No. Okay. I mean, thank God. I, I, I could see if they had, if they had met me and then said they didn't want to be in it, but all they knew was they were getting paid to be in this film. Wow. So, uh, she dropped out, and I said, fuck, I give up. And I, and I threw my phone down in the passenger seat of the car. And then I decide, you know what? 
let me try something. So I picked up that phone about 30 seconds to a minute had passed. And I started recording myself on the phone. And I just made up this bullshit about here I am on my way home from a sheriff's sale where the house I bought on Steelmanville Road. And I pull in the driveway and flip the camera around and say, there it is. Not bad for a sheriff's sale. <laughs> and that take done in one take became the opening to the Bad Bad movie. That, that so is I, the literal best origin story of that how a movie came awesome. about. That is fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. That, it's And it's 100% true. And what happens is I then had to think, now, who? if I'm going to be the guy in this film getting harassed and tormented by these demons and malevolent forces, who the hell wants to watch a bald, fat, 50-year-old guy running around the house? And, and a third of the time, I'm in my underwear. <laughs> who, who wants to watch this? But I put it together over the course of like a month. I, sometimes, and I didn't have a script. Oh, I wow. just the, the, the one thing I will tell you I did was the end scene where I get drugged down the steps and then across the basement floor. Yeah. I shot that second. The first was the opening scene, me pulling into the driveway. The second thing I shot was that, where I had my best friend drag me across. I said to him, he's a big guy, but I said to him, are you going to be able to drag me? Because I go like, at that time, I was about 250. And he's like, yeah, man. And it was like dragging a, a dirty laundry across the floor. <laughs> oh I don't I don't know what kind of sh drugs this guy takes, but he was able to pull me like it was nothing. So then what I did was I had the beginning and the end, and it was a simple matter of getting from point A to point B. So over the course of the next three or four weeks, it might have been – 10 at night, it might have been 2 in the morning, I would just get ideas, and I would say, yeah, that'll fit in there, and I just shot stuff until it all came together, and I actually thought I was shooting a horror film, which it does have very creepy minutes, like in that film with, with the music box, yeah, you know, the wind the box where it jumps, Yeah, that was done in one take also, but I would say out of all seven movies that are done so far. That was probably the single scariest jump scare of all of them. That one little bit. Yeah. that um, I remember yeah. that one. That was, that was a really good. Cause I even, I even kind of like tensed up and jumped back a little bit. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> wow. But yeah. Those, those were all done. Um, you know, as, as the ideas came to me, I, I pieced them together. And so I got to the end. So it took me about a month to film and then about two weeks to edit for the first, and like movie. I said, Right. Okay. And I thought I was making a horror and there's this, uh, so I, I submitted it to a horror film festival, which the name of it slips my mind right now, but it's uh, in LA in October, usually at Halloween. And I have a friend who is well connected in the industry. But with that being said to anybody that's out there, that's an aspiring filmmaker or actor or whatever, I'm telling you right now that nobody that's in the industry is going to help you because, and if they are helping you, it's because you're sleeping with them. And if you, <laughs> goodness, and if you sleep with them and they don't help you, then start some me too bullshit to get them in trouble. Okay. <laughs> that that's what I, no, but seriously, people don't, people don't offer help because 
a lot of times what I think that comes down to is they think that, hey, if you start to have success, it could actually affect my success. And, uh, you know, it could actually uh, you might get something that I wanted. So people are just a little weird. They don't really help each other. But he did give me some advice. And one of the items of advice he gave me was he said that this film festival in Los Angeles is is the film festival where paranormal activity was sold. And what happens is these movie houses would come there with I mean, these companies distribution companies would come there with fat checkbooks and they would buy films on the spot. So he suggested I submit to them. So the film was done on June the 11th and June the 12th, I submitted it to this film festival. And this is an interesting story. I think anyway, to anybody that's uh, in the same situation I am. So I submit this film to the film festival and how you do it is you pay your fee, which was a nominal fee. I think it might have been 70 bucks, 75 bucks. And you upload the film to a private link on YouTube and send them the link. And then they review it. And then they tell you either they accept your film or they don't accept it. So all summer long, I'm waiting from June the 12th until they tell you they will let you know by September the 30th whether your film's been selected or not. So September 30th comes, and at 2 in the afternoon, I get what looks like a canned email that says, not interested, basically. So I'm a big boy. I can handle the rejection. What I can't handle, and something they didn't know, probably until I told them, was that YouTube is owned by Google. And through Google Analytics, you can see when a film was looked at, when your video was looked at, and for how long it was watched. So on the day I submitted it, June the 12th, somebody there watched my film for 12 minutes and didn't watch any more of it and waited two and a half months or three, almost three and a half months to tell me, sorry, your film's been rejected. So I wrote him an email because I'm a bit of a jerk off, okay? So I wrote him an email and I said to him, you know, I'm a big boy and I can handle that my film was it for your film festival. What I can't handle is the fact that somebody watched it for 12 minutes. Oh, no, we watched the whole thing. I guess they didn't know about Google Analytics at the point. So I knew it was bullshit. But you know what? This is a film that cost me $300 to make. And when I say $300, that's because I threw my friends a couple bucks here and there to, like, help me, like, drag me across the floor or do whatever. It would have cost me $225 had I not paid for a harness to wear under my shirt that I could hook the chain to that he drug me across the floor. Uh-huh. And if I didn't get blood all over that harness, fake blood, I would have taken that back to Home Depot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be kind of hard to explain. I'd like to return this. So there's blood on this. No, 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 no. It's fake. It's fake blood. I swear. It'll, it'll come out in the wash. <laughs> But anyway, you know, so September 30th comes. It's now, you know, the next day is October 1st. And I'm not real upset about it, but I knew there was this Amazon Video Direct. It's now called Prime Video Direct, where anybody could upload a film to. You hear my rescue dog giving me shit here? (laughs) Anybody can upload a film to Amazon, just like you're uploading a film to YouTube. You just, I mean, it's very simple to do. 
And at that time, they were paying us 15 cents an hour stream. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll get a couple people to watch this. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it even interesting? I had friends watch. But, you know, that's the other thing. If you're ever trying to get opinions from people, this is what I have to say about opinions. Number one, make sure the person you're asking giving opinion is qualified to giving opinion on something. <laughs> But because, you know, there are people that will tell you anything you do is great just because they care for you as a person. Right. And that's not helping you. Then on the other side, you got the jerk offs who you could present them perfection and they're going to pick it apart just because they're jerk offs. Right. So yep. <clears throat> and then uh, I want some advice I would give to people that I would have an opportunity once in a while to mentor because they're desperate. Nobody else will help them. They'll, uh, I would tell them, you know, sometimes when somebody asks you your opinion on something, your answer could be, I like it just the way it is. You don't, most people assume when you're asking them for their opinion that you're looking for some sort of criticism. So anyway, I, a couple friends told me the film, no, dude, I found it interesting and I liked it and it was suspenseful and it, it was Funny, and I thought, funny? Well, I did come to learn that people did consider it funny once I started reading comments and reviews. But here it is now. I have it on Amazon. It went live October 4th, 2016. I thought a few, I'd get maybe a thousand minutes, a couple people to watch it. Well, as I'm watching the stats every day, they're going up and up and up. And by the end of October of the first month it was up, that film was streamed 1.2 million minutes. Holy wow. shit. That's and insane. Nobody was more nobody was more surprised than Nigel Bach <laughs> when that happened. And I gotta tell you, I, I actually, by the way, I'm banned from making comments on Amazon anymore. Oh? And, and well, here's what happened. My first review, five stars. My second review, five stars, five out of five. My third and fourth review, five stars. And then came the fifth review, <laughs> one, which was one star and an angry lady. And she writes, this is why people hire crews and professionals and all. They can't do it by themselves. I don't know who liked this film. It was horrible, blah, blah, blah. So I like took this, it, it, it hit me hard. So what I decided was to respond to her and you could do that. Well, I used to be able to do it on Amazon. <laughs> but before I responded to her, I went and looked at purchases she had made previously. Oh I don't know if you know you can do that. I did not. <laughs> well, one of the things she had recently purchased was wart cream. So, you know, like the little bumps warped. Yeah. <laughs> so I write to her. Oh, no. I'm sorry I disappointed you with the film. And good luck with your warts. <laughs> oh, so man. then, so then she replies. Oh, no. I'll have you know I have a great dermatologist and my warts are fine. <laughs> So now, what do you think I did? I'll oh. tell you. I won't make you guess. Yeah, you'll be. Probably, I went I... back. 
I went back and deleted my comments. So my comments. So now what it says is, I hated this film. This is why people hire professionals. And I'll have you know, I have a great dermatologist and my warts are fine. Oh, so she God. looked insane. She looked, and that's the kind of stuff I do that I have oh, fun goodness. with. Well, I did that a few too many times and Amazon banned me forever. Forever? I never, what? If I was to go buy uh, a, a flashlight on Amazon, and they send me, you know, they send you those emails, please review your purchase. Oh, yeah. I can't. I can't because I violated <laughs> their community standards. Wow. I think I think forever is a bit harsh. Maybe like a like a 90-day uh, probationary period, but damn. Well, anyway, they wouldn't even – I said, what – I got a warning once, and I said, what did I do? And they wanted they, – they just never responded. Oh, man. And then I guess whatever I did, I did again because then I got – my second and final notice that I've been banned for life. Wow. Not many people can say that. That's uh, honestly, I think that's an accomplishment. I'm just going to say, I'm going to throw that out there. That's pretty uh, epic to, yeah, to right. have that. Renegade, well, renegade the, director over here. <laughs> oh, well, you know, Jeff Bezos happens to be the richest man in the world. And uh, I guess he felt he was paying us too much as independent producers because in the first year I had, well, the first actually about 18 months, I was making 15 cents an hour stream. And now it's gone down every year since. And effective January 1st of this year, indie producers could make as little as one penny an what? hour stream. Wow. Which, which would mean if you have a 60-minute film, you would need, uh, well, you could do the math. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It, you you would not, you would make a penny if somebody watches your film for the whole hour. Wow! And if you had a hundred people watch your film, you could earn a dollar. Wow, that's pretty messed so up. So it's <laughs> well, yeah. You know what it is? You have no way to fight with them. To to you can't really argue with them because who are you arguing with? They can just say, okay, you're banned for that because obviously. There's a little bit when they'll ban you for life for responding to a comment like that about war uh, there's the, <laughs> right there's uh, obviously some spiteful people there that feel very empowered because they're sitting behind the keyboard right so what has happened was after bad Ben, you know because people found it funny, I said, you know what there's a lot of questions why are there for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's supposed to look like I'm in a house I just got from a sheriff's sale. And there's security cameras all over the home that I'm walking around and they're following me and stuff's happening. Furniture's moving, weird noises. People seem to love seeing the shit get kicked out of me while I'm laying in bed. <laughs> that sort of thing happens throughout the film. <clears throat> and um, I decided, you know, a lot of people had questions like, why were there cameras in the home? So when I went to do a prequel that explained who the previous owner was and why all these cameras got put in the home, I did Steelmanville Road. And this time I was able to assemble a cast and I get these people in here that explains why the cameras got put up because this couple had inherited the home from the wife's biological mother who she never met. She was adopted as a child, but she was left this house you know, mortgage free. 
and her and her husband move into it, and almost immediately stuff's happening. Well, it turns out, I mean, not to give any spoilers, but it turns out she's a descendant of the Jersey Devil, and the Jersey Devil's been the monster we've been saying, like not saying actually throughout the film. So I do this film, and it's a much darker film, more serious with a cast, and I post it, and it does well, but people hated it. They, I mean, the fans of Bad Ben hated Steelmanville Road, the prequel. And, I mean, it's gone on to find its own audience because it's a different kind of film. But I, I expected it to be well-received like Bad Ben was, and it wasn't. And the reason why is, much to my surprise, these people like the ludic- ludicrous Tom Riley character. I mean, and so um, do I. I mean, he he is very fun, uh, yeah, fun that, to watch. That character is literally what hooked me into the movie. Was I was like, all right, this is gonna be your run of the mill, like whatever movie. And then the Tom Riley character, you're just like, oh, I can relate is, to you is, on a personal level. <laughs> this is it's it's me in that situation. It, it's just you can put yourself on that character so much. Well, yeah. you know the scene in Bad Ben where I pull the chair and I say, stop it? Yeah. Yeah. People found that hysterical just because it's like this guy should be shitting himself, but he's sitting there <laughs> saying to some invisible force to stop it. Well, the way that really happened was I had a friend a few feet away off that you couldn't see that was pulling the string for the chair to slide over, and it was supposed to happen – just once and when he kept pulling it every time i pulled it back i actually said stop it and uh so so you were saying you were saying stop it to him literally not like in the sense of like to the entity stop it you were telling him to stop pulling it right and that (laughs) stayed in the movie and people loved it so after steelmanville road i mean people were because i appear in the last 90 seconds of steelmanville road i'm it's the prequel to Bad Ben. So it's like I'm coming up to look in the windows of the house. I'm putting a bid on at a sheriff's sale. And some people were writing. And it's kind of tough for me to accept this kind of uh, compliment. But people were saying, I got real excited the last 90 seconds when you appeared. <laughs> and I'm thinking, people really like this goofball, Tom Riley. So that's when I decided. And this was... Seven months after Bad Ben. I did Bad Ben was released in October 2016. Steelmanville Road came out in May of 2017. So then I decided, okay, I'll, I'll do another one for Halloween. And I said, if they think it's a comedy and they like Tom Riley, I'm going to embrace that. So I had a couple friends that are sketch comedians, which were Matt and Jackie and Banner Ben. And the bald fellow, David, was actually the guy I took screenwriting courses from. And so I got the three of them to be in it. And they're supposed to be a team of paranormal investigators coming to do a documentary on the house. And I'm not dead. They find out that I'm not dead. And they bring me back. And I only agree to do it just for the money. And then, but it's, it's funny. But there are scary parts. Same bullshit happens in this one. And people loved it again. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I think 
that one and um, Mandala Effect and The Way In, those are my three favorite because I remember watching, you know, I watched them one through six, like in succession, and I was I really, really, really enjoyed uh, Bad Urban. That was like, that's one of the best ones, I think. Well, the uh, as, as I continue to do these, I, at one point I said, you know, I need to find a different house to do this. But I came to realize that much like in the Amityville Horror, the house has become a celebrity also. Right. And that's people like seeing what goes on in that house. So and when I did the man, and it's, go ahead, it, I'm it's not just the house either. One of the things that I think is so good is no matter what movie you're watching, you're always going to get a snippet of one of the entities in the house in every movie. It's like you get to watch the ghosts grow up with you. Right, yeah, right. Cause, exactly. Because you've got Ben, you've got Bad Ben, you've got... Uh, Crescent the, Moon Clown. The Crescent Moon Clown. You've got the witch. And they all just kind of hang out all in the house together. And you get to watch them throughout all of the movies. I just love the progression of all the films uh, yeah. all the way through. It's just fun to watch. Like, exactly. Watch them, like, watch them grow. It's honestly, it's very, uh, it's very satisfying. Well, you know, when we get up to the Haunted Highway, which is the, it, even though it had parts in the house on Steelmanville Road, a lot of that happened on the road tom riley becomes a like an uber driver for a fictitious company called drop you off yeah which is like uber <laughs> i love that and he's picking up all these weirdos well let me tell you how that happened where i live uber and lyft are not big like if you're in manhattan or philadelphia or a major city people are using uber and lyft all the time but where I live, people have driveways and garages and parking spaces. So they really drive themselves around. Um, it's, it's very unusual. I, well, here's the, what I'm getting to. I had never used Uber or Lyft. And then back prior to, like, before I had the idea, actually, what I was going to make this film about, I had a friend over the house. And he was down for the day. And he lived up in Brooklyn. And he walks up to me and I'm busy doing stuff. You know how people sometimes stop by and they're, they're, they're not invited. Well, yeah. that was the case. He, <laughs> he shows up. So anyway, the time's coming and I have to take him back to the Atlantic city bus terminal to take a bus up back up to Brooklyn. So he walks up to me prior to leaving about two hours before we were going to leave. And he hands me this little piece of, of white chocolate. And he says, here, you want to try something? So I love white chocolate. So I pop the thing in my mouth and he says, dude, not the whole thing. Well, it was an edible. <laughs> and, oh, no. yes. and I could immediately, I, I like tried marijuana twice in my life. And it, like, I really didn't like it, like smoking it. And I, so I, and plus being around, you know, the smell of it. So I was, I could immediately taste the marijuana in it. But I'm talking about the size of your pinky fingernail piece of chocolate he gave me. So I'm like, you know, how, how bad can this be? <laughs> well, flash forward about an hour and I am fucked up. <laughs> and here I am now fucked up out of my mind. And I said, I turned on him. I said, dude, I, 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 I can't drive you back to the bus terminal. So uh, he says, I'll just Uber. So I install the Uber app for the first time. 
I order him a ride. I thought I screwed it up because if it's for somebody else, you're supposed to put their name in, but I put mine. So when the guy pulls up, I walk out to the car. I said, I'm not sure if I fucked this up or not, but I meant this ride for somebody else. This guy right here. And I said, this is, um, I said, I was driving back to terminal, but I ate some shit I shouldn't have. And it was an edible and I am <laughs> fucked up. I can't drive. So this guy, kind of nerdy looking guy in his like 60s, looks at me and says, don't worry, sir. That's 95% of our business. So, um, <laughs> so he oh, takes my friend and drives him. I, I slept well that night, but coincidentally, that guy who got the ride back to the bus terminal, he was the vampire in the Haunted Highway, Lionel. Oh, okay, okay. Nice. So... But anyway, that's how the idea for that. That's how I said, let him be an Uber driver. Well, and now, that, although I named it drop you off. So that's how I made Haunted Highway. Now, speaking of the last one you've made, uh, I'm going to go into one of the questions I have a little bit further down on the, the list I sent you. Do you have, you know, you, how many more ideas would you say you have to keep it going? Are you, are you still going to be just like cranking movies out? Like, do you still have a bunch of ideas? Well, you know, you say you watch um, or. Corey said he watches a lot of the live broadcast. And one of the things I always say is that if you keep watching, I'll keep making. Um, but I originally thought that Bad Ben 3, Bad or Ben, was going to be the end of the series. And now that was filmed three, and I've done seven, and we're about to start working on eight. And I'm kind of thinking that eight might be the logical place to end, but who knows? There could wind up being, I could wind up being 95 years old <laughs> and we could wind up having bad Ben 64. Hey, um, I'll be there watching. I'll be, I'll be on my couch watching that for sure. Tom Riley just shaking his cane. He's <laughs> just like, get out of my house. Damn it. <laughs> well, the, uh, you know, some things are evolving here though, because I'm actually with what, Amazon has done. Uh, I'll give you, uh, for instance, this past month, the month of January, I streamed more minutes than I streamed in the first six months of Bad Ben. Wow. Yet, yet I made, because I have seven films up now, but I made less money in January than I made the first month with one film doing one-sixth as many minutes. Holy cow. And that's because the Amazon cut. And, you know, I, I do other things also. Like, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a nude model at uh, art <laughs> schools. Uh, no, but seriously, I do other things to, to earn an income. But there were people who basically quit everything they were doing to do this full-time for the earnings there and then they get the rug yanked out from under them because jeff bezos isn't making enough money at 150 billion dollars well it's weird too you think if you have someone like you who's doing millions of minutes per month you, you think that they would adjust it to how many minutes are being streamed as opposed to you know what fuck everyone you all get the same amount no matter how much you're streaming you think they would try and you know give you a little bit more yeah, but hey, you see Initially, we were all given the same amount, which right. is 15 cents a minute. Now, and, and I don't want to go too far into this because it'll be confusing for most people, but now you're evaluated 
based on something called a, a customer engagement ranking, oh. which they don't really clarify what that means. But because let's face it, if your film is streaming a million minutes and another film is streaming 500,000 minutes, what's the difference between why should one be paid more than the other? Because they're still being streamed. People are still watching. That's true. It should, in my opinion, be a flat rate. But like now, people can make anywhere from one penny to 12 cents an hour stream. And here's the problem. When I initially put up my film, it was in the early stages of this program. So they didn't have a lot. Since then, they've gotten a couple hundred thousand different things uploaded from people. And one of, you know, we're competing. What happened was studios went in and they had their library of films from over decades. And they start saying, you know, Netflix won't buy this because it's been seen so much. He said, but Amazon, we can upload it. And they could take a film that was made 20 years ago, which might have had a $2 million advertising budget. People loved it or whatever. And they take a movie produced like that. And instead of, you know, trying to get Netflix to buy it or Amazon to buy it, what they did was they started uploading it through this program and uh, they'd make money because of its popularity. Netflix doesn't pay you per minute stream. Netflix will buy a film, pay a flat rate for it, and they either consider it a success or a failure based on how much it's streamed. So these companies that couldn't get Netflix to buy their old, old movies just start uploading them to Amazon. So I could be with a film I might make for a couple hundred bucks. I could be competing against a studio produced film that costs millions to make. And even though it might be dated, it still has the benefit of the fan base it had. So anyway, it just became unfair for the indie producers. And that's why we're making, like I average, like I said, the scale could be one to 12 cents an hour. I averaged three and a half cents an hour last month. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's And there's no, there's nobody you can't, you know, you can't fight them because they'll just be spiteful and cut you off. If Jeff Bezos happens to tune into your podcast, I would like to say to him to go fuck yourself, you rich prick. And... And ban me because, you know, what the hell am I going to make? So instead of making three cents an hour now, I'll make nothing. So what I decided to do was create my own Roku channel. And so beginning sometime next month, there's going to be a Bad Ben Roku channel that will have all my films on it and uh, some other different entertaining things from all over the spectrum, but people will be able to watch them. And that's where they had been eight. The one we're going to be working on for Memorial day is going to premiere on there. And anybody that, if they don't have a Roku device, they can watch it on their computer or their phone, but Roku devices are cheap and there's 40 million people own them now. And I'll even, if, if somebody, I'll be able to get people Roku devices so they can watch it, but they're really good stream. Yeah, I've got well, I've got actually got a couple. Now, is this something that is a channel that's going to be like you can just click on it for free and go watch all these or do you have to, you know, pay like a like a flat fee or anything? Well, the plan 
it's going to have a seven day free trial and then $4 a month. Now that was plan one. Okay. Plan two might be, because you can attach these to um, advertisers, similar to like if you're familiar with how you can become a, you can sign up for ads on YouTube and insert them on your web pages and all. Right. But the the price they pay, they pay 10 cents per thousand impressions. And that can actually become quite lucrative. You can wind up with, you know, earning a couple thousand dollars a month just by letting people watch your stuff for free with commercials inserted at the beginning. Oh, wow. Or, or throughout. Right. So that's something I'm exploring. So I haven't quite worked that out yet. And because I can't charge just to have the films up there, but the other stuff we're going to be having on a regular mm. basis, like for instance, you're going to laugh. Pro wrestling is going to be on the channel. Oh, that hell we're yeah. That we're actually producing. Oh, I'd watch so that. <laughs> what'll, what'll happen is we'll, uh, have that like Thursday nights. And we're going to have myself and my roommate who was Lucinda at the end of on it highway. Uh, we're going to do reviews of streaming channels like Netflix and Hulu and different things that are out there now and programs that we watch on there and that we enjoy or don't, we're not going to drag it out and it's going to be funny how we talk, but we're going to have that and sketch comedians and all kinds of different stuff. Now you said this is planning to launch. You said next month ish. Well, actually, if you went on to Roku right now, you can download bad Ben TV. Oh, okay. And you can, you can see all seven of the movies and you can see the first wrestling match we produced. Oh, that's Um, awesome. uh, But after uh, they finished the probably like, Maybe by the time most people are are listening to my nasally voice here, it might I might have the the pricing thing fixed. But again, it's a seven day free trial, and it's it's a buck a week is what it turns out to be. And there's not and there's going to be something new every week on the channel. No, oh, that's pretty awesome. And then you said you have the new movie coming out on that channel. Now the I saw you did a Christmas like one. Is that? Is that something you just did kind of on the side or is that part of the whole Bad Ben saga? Because I could have sworn I saw on the page a Christmas movie for like Patreon or something. I, I could I could have sworn. Well, we did a 30 minute Christmas special that actually okay. we're going to release to the masses in yes. Christmas 2020. Oh, in 10 hell yeah. Here. Sweet. OK, because I saw that and I was like, wait, did I miss something? Was I not part of the Christmas episode? Because I've got to see that. So, OK, it'll come out come out this year. OK. No, we produced it and we allowed people that contributed to the GoFundMe campaign and that are patrons, uh, they were able to watch it. We sent them a link to watch it. And I got to tell you, the fans of this have been extremely supportive because I always have my hand out for something. And like we have uh, a bunch of patrons um, each month uh, that pay on a recurring basis. And some might pay a dollar, some pay crazy amounts, like $50 a month. Wow. And I explain to them when they sign up, I say, you know, this is a monthly fee. You might want to lower that. Some yes, of them are, I just got more money than they know what the hell to do with. So when I get that opinion, I'm like, say, well, why not make it 500 a month? <laughs> just give me all the money. Come on. Just uh, sign your bank account over to me. Yeah, I'll just take out as much as I want per month, and that'll help fund uh, the bad bet. Well, you know, one of the other ways I've been actually making money from some people is by inserting them into the film. 
And how they get inserted into the film is like, for instance, their name gets mentioned or there's in some of the animated series we're going to be doing, they're going to have a cartoon image of themselves in the film. And uh, like if you remember in The Way In, where I answer the phone, I'm talking to Mrs. May, Emily May. Yeah. That is a fan of the films that paid to have her name in the film. Oh, okay. So go, going into people being in the film, who is the little ghost boy that you see in like the doorways that does the uh, the screen that's little the, screech. The, the get out screech? Elijah. Elijah. His name is Alex. Alex Pound. He's an actor. How I found them was a friend of mine who was actually the guy that drugged me across the floor and um in Bad Ben, and he actually had a cameo in Badder Ben. He was actually Badder Ben. Oh, Bad nice. Ben, you saw him? Yeah. But his friends were actors up in this uh, theater in Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and they got me. They're, they're the group that played Matt and, and what the hell were their names in it? <laughs> I forget. I'm sorry. But they were the, the couple in Badder Ben. Yeah. And uh, they were also, Alex was a friend of theirs. And um, Jean, who was in that, Jean Sutton, who played Mona, she was a friend of theirs. And they were all in that film. And, oh, so you were asking about Alex. Yeah, he was one of their friends. He was 16 at that time. Oh, wow. (laughs) He seemed a lot younger than that. (laughs) He looked looked really small. (laughs) Well, magic of editing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I actually put 20 pounds on him and made him look 19. <laughs> no, no, but he was good. A lot of people have asked about him. And actually, Bad Ben 8 is going to have some, um, it's going to have the return of some characters. And oh. at this point, at this point, not him necessarily, but the couple will be involved. Okay. So speaking, since you're speaking about going forward, I'm going to actually take it back and ask you, uh, like, what made you initially want to do, like, you know, making a movie? Like, what what made you want to just be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to put it up and see if people like it. So, like, what made you, like, what made you pursue, like, completing, shooting, and, uh, you know, making a film? Well, the whole reason when you're trying to break into screenwriting, you're trying to do that is because... Number one, you got a story to tell, but number two, you want to entertain. And I like to entertain people because if you can entertain people, it's like one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest things you can do um, is entertain, make people laugh, make people cry even or, or whatever. But that's what I want to do. I want to have films made. And because it's such a tough business to be, break into, that's why I start. That got me into filmmaking in the first place. And I knew I didn't possess the equipment to go out and shoot a ha- uh, when Harry met Sally or something <laughs> like that. But I did have the equipment to shoot a found footage film. And that's why I picked that. And horror audiences tend to be a little more forgiving than uh, like if I went to do something serious or dramatic. My favorite story that I've written, if you want to hear a tidbit of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I told you I like science fiction. Right. So I wrote this story called The Genesis Experiment, a screenplay. And basically, The Genesis Experiment is it's the 
there's this priest and he's called to the house of a family whose son was in the military and he just passed. He, he died in Iraq two days before he was supposed to come home. So when the priest pulls up to the house to, you know, comfort the family, the father's in the driveway blowing leaves and he sees the priest and says, hey, before you go in the house, I got something to show you. And he takes him to the shed and he hands him a box and a pair of rubber gloves. And he says, put these gloves on. So the priest puts them on. He reaches in the box and pulls out a statue of Christ on the cross. And the statue is bleeding from the palms and the, the ankles and the wound in the side. And the father says, wipe it off. And the priest does. And then the blood droplets form again. And the priest is like, what the fuck is this? Although he's a priest, so he probably didn't say that. But he's like, what is this? And the father's like, have you ever seen anything like that? And he said, no. He says, but I can take it and have it looked at. And the priest said, yeah, my wife doesn't know that came. Our son mailed that home to us, you know, a week before he left Iraq. He found it in a bombed out church and he knew he wouldn't be able to bring it in his luggage. So he shipped it home. And I don't know if that has something to do with why he's dead or whatever. So the priest takes it and he takes a sample of the blood. And as it turns out, the priest has an identical twin brother who happens to be an atheist. And the brother is also a geneticist and he works for a, a um, biological research firm. So the priest sends his brother a sample of this blood in a vial and he says, can you test this blood for me? He says, where'd you get it? He says, I promise I'll tell you, but I can't tell you yet. Just run tests on it and tell me what you can. So the brother calls him back not long after. He says, dude, where did you get this blood? He says, I can't tell you, but what did you find out? And he says, well, it's the rarest specimen of blood I've ever seen, the pure specimen. He says uh, it has no signs of modern day antibodies or, or pollutants. So either this blood came from a person from another planet or they've been living in a cave for, for 2000 years. Where'd you get it? And, oh, and he said it doesn't have a blood type. So anyway, I'll hop forward. The priest says to him, listen, I need you to destroy what remains of that specimen and I'll tell you soon where it came from. So the brother's like, dude, this could, I could use this to save thousands of lives. And he says, you have to get rid of it, Michael. So Michael says he will. So flash forward, the priest reports, you know, he's thinking they have a miracle here. A statue of Christ is bleeding. Is it Christ's blood? Because it's coming out of a statue of Christ. So he reports it to his, you know, bishop and all those people. They think it probably is a miracle. And uh, anyway, the this, this statue gets stolen. The priest is walking through his parish. And you know how if you're Catholic, there's confessionals? Yeah. So, somebody enters one side of the confessional, and he walks up and gets in the other side. And he says, can I help you? Or he says, how, how may I help you? Or whatever the priest says in there. Here, want a Snickers bar, little boy? I don't know what they say. <laughs> but anyway, they... Um, there's a guttural voice says your your brother has has defied you or betrayed you. So as it turns out, he contacts his brother and says, "Did you get rid of that specimen of blood?" And he says, "Yeah." And he says, "Michael, I can tell you're lying. What did you do with it?" Well, he used it in an experiment called the Genesis experiment, which was dun 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 human cloning. Hmm. So the brother 
created a clone from the specimen of blood and a child was born. And the question is, was this child a clone of Christ or was it something else? And uh, anyway, the kid winds up getting um, kidnapped, taken back to the Middle East. And do you want to know the spoiler finish? No, no, I kind of, are, are you planning on you know, at some point making this? Cause if you are, if this is going to be something that comes to fruition, I, I want to be, I kind of want to be blown away, honestly. All right. Well then we'll just tell you that they get to the very end where they're trying, because biblically speaking, and this isn't a religious story. It's no more of a religious story than like the exorcist. Okay. So what the story gets to though, on the end is they know that if this, is the second coming of Christ. And if the Antichrist exists and is able to find and kill the child, it could basically theoretically slam the doors of heaven shut because the Bible makes mention of a second coming, but not a third coming. So basically that's what's at stake here. And they're thinking they got to protect this child. So he's old enough to battle with the Antichrist. Now, when did you write this? Like how long, how long have you been sitting on this? This I wrote, believe it or not, in 2005. Oh, holy shit. Okay. But trying to sell these screenplays is a bitch. And so it, so have, it, you, have you thought about selling it to like some graphic artists? Because I would read that as a comic book. Yeah, honestly. That's... Well, well, you want to know what's sitting over here on my shelf? The first edition of the Genesis Experiment comic book. What? I actually... I actually think it's available on Amazon for a digital download. Yep, we're but, we're, we're, uh, going, yeah, we're checking know. right now. <laughs> I've got to know. Oh wow! Because my this friend I told you about that, uh, well, actually a different friend who's the producer of some relatively well some of the biggest franchises in Hollywood history. Uh, he told me. Uh, to make something a graphic novel is very easy if it gets popular to move it on to getting produced as a film. Like The Walking Dead was a graphic novel right, that yeah. wound up being made into that series. And The Watchmen and that sort of thing. It's right there. You can buy it for one ninety. dollars Dude, I'll buy that this afternoon and check that out. That's freaking awesome. I didn't know you had other no. stuff like that. That's I didn't know there was other things besides uh, besides just Bad Ben. Like. Wow. I am a multi. What is wrong with you people? Did you do your research before calling? <laughs> I, I am a multifaceted individual. Well, like I, I said, we we watched the you know we watched the live stream. We watched you talk. We've watched the movies. I just I didn't think to search anything else. Nigel Bach. I just thought you. I just thought you did movies because for the first like week and a half that we were talking about you, we thought we thought your name was actually Tom Riley. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When we first started watching the movies, yeah. yeah. And then we found out no, this is a film by Nigel Bach, and yeah. So such so, you know so on and so forth. But yeah, I, I didn't know you had other things. So yeah, I guess that's shame on me. I should have I should have done more research because uh, that's pretty awesome, and I'm I'm absolutely absolutely gonna go go and check that out i mean two bucks yeah graphic novel oh, yeah, let's, for do, sure. let's do it um i uh, i've actually had people show up at my house and say it's tom riley home <laughs> <laughs> now so, go ahead on Corey. the subject of uh tom riley is he based off anybody or is that just you being you is it like oh you know i had this bumbly teacher when i was so old or however all right. Well, I hope the Riley family doesn't hear doesn't hear this online, but um, 
I was, <laughs> this cracks me up. I was at the Atlantic City Cemetery putting flowers on my mother's grave when I was trying to come up with a name for my character of uh, in the movie. And one of the tombstones I walked past was a guy named Thomas Riley. So I said, yeah, what the hell? You know, what? thank God I didn't. Yeah, thank God I didn't walk by Tombstone that had some offensive name or something like <laughs> Thaddeus, Thaddeus McGillicuddy or something. But it was uh, it was Thomas Riley, so he became he became me in the films. So it, it seems that while you do have a lot of just happenstance with these movies, um, what what were some of the things that like didn't go right? for you when you started when you were starting out um yeah, do you face any like roadblocks or anything that kept you from moving well forward? the first and obvious roadblock was all the act dropping out in the first film right okay and in bad or see one of the things the everybody gets paid to be in my films but they don't get paid a lot they might make 50 or 100 bucks a night um that we film but still that's more than they make in anything else they do when they're doing like acting or something and uh, in the making of Bad or Ben, if you remember, there comes a part where I come out of the shower and nobody's around. And for like, the, for like 15 minutes, I'm walking around looking for them. And it's similar to Bad Ben. And then I find them and we go forward with the film and wrap it up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because the actors that were involved in that film weren't making themselves available enough for me. So I said, I got to get this film done. So I cut out 12 pages that involved them and made it all about my favorite person. Who's myself. And, um, <laughs> good old, good old Tom Riley. But there was really no, um, uh, there was actually a roadblock in one of the films, but I kind of, if you don't mind, I'm going to be a little vague because I don't want to call the person out specifically. Oh no, by all means, by all means. I uh, see at my age, I make if somebody's an asshole, I get rid of them because I don't, you know, I, I, I don't like dealing with assholes. You don't, don't have time for that. You know, no one, no one has don't time have for time yeah. for it. So somebody was basically an asshole and I contemplated cutting them out of the entire film and all. But I wound up keeping them just in a much reduced role. And uh, so that has been a bit of a stumbling block. But there's been no like licensing issues or no uh you know everybody for the most part i worked with was a pleasure to work with so i've been lucky things have gone very smooth and you know the reason for that is because most of the time i've been operating on a set i totally control which is my own house right right and um so people that go out there and have to get permission to use locations and stuff like that it becomes a bit more difficult yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, since you you have it pretty much self-contained to your property and your house, it probably is a lot easier. You don't run into too many things. Um, I remember you saying it took you about you know like a few weeks to, or a few months to edit and shoot the first movie. Did now your last movie, Haunted Highway? About how long did that take to shoot and edit? Because I know you had much you know a much bigger cast than that. So what was the time difference on shooting and editing your first movie as opposed to your re most recent movie? Well, Bad Ben took about three weeks to a month to film and about two weeks to edit. Oh, okay. 
the haunted highway took probably took the longest of all of them which was about two months to film and then it took uh about another two to three weeks to edit when it was done i tend to edit as i go so like whatever i would shoot tonight i would normally edit tomorrow oh wow because i i kind normally shoot with continuity i start at the beginning i might shoot the ending as the goal to get to like they did in the first one but i kind of follow the path from beginning to end so it keeps things logical in my mind because i'm not that smart <laughs> so uh so out of all of these which one did you have most fun making well i you know every time somebody i feel like it's kind of ask somebody asking me who's my favorite kid if i had children and, you know a, a parent's supposed to say like oh i love all my children say which is bullshit because i know for a fact my parents like me more than my sisters <laughs> oh um, yeah no i'm the same way my parents my parents have favorites between me and my sister so <laughs> i know that feeling <laughs> But I, I kind of like them all for different reasons. But I will say, and this might be the case with all of them, the last thing I did, my favorite, but the Haunted Highway was a lot of fun to shoot because the addition of, like, um, Mitch's head winding up in a bag in my car. And uh, if, you were, if you saw that scene, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that was, that the, was great. <laughs> Those Courtney and Mitch getting involved, they were film school graduates from the Art Institute in Philadelphia, and they contacted me to tell me they had just graduated and all, because they worked one day as a production assistant on Bad or Ben, like two years earlier, a year and a half earlier. So I said, how would you guys like to be in a film? And they said, yes, yeah. so I got them involved in that. Working with them, they were, first of all, an absolute pleasure to work with. And then not only that, they had gotten me for the Christmas special, two other additional friends of theirs that were characters that were in that. So the Haunted Highway, for various reasons, was probably the most fun for me to work on. Okay. And you were mentioning uh, having people work on set with you. What is what's what's the like general crew of one of your films? Because we all know that like you got a big Hollywood production. It's hundreds and hundreds of people. Obviously, your first one was you. The your newest one, there's a handful of people. What's what's your crew looking like? Well, for Bad Ben Eight, it'll probably involve about five people. But like Bad Ben One, I was the only one in. Steelmanville Road had a cast, but I was cameraman and editor. Okay. Um, Bad or Ben, I had those are three characters and. It gets more complicated when you add more people because there's more personalities and more people whose schedules you have to align to come together to get them filmed. Right. But in the Haunted Highway, it was uh, it was tough because there were some of those characters were from out of town, but friends I had. But it was also a lot more fun. But the average crew, I usually take and I limit it to where I'm the cameraman and the editor, so I'm not depending on people because. I could go off on a tangent here about just life in general. Anytime <laughs> you can do anything without having to rely on anybody but yourself, I encourage you to do it because people will fuck you every chance they get. Now, speaking on that, do you prefer the like the filming side at filming slash acting, or do you prefer the editing side? You know, it's I don't know. 
I think I think I would prefer acting. I don't know, but and, and see, I would be I would much rather be behind the camera or sitting behind the board editing the sound. Right. So for you, you know, what since you do both, you know, what side do you prefer more? I like working the camera and editing better because I don't really. It's kind of tough for me to accept the praise I've gotten for being in front of the camera. I mean, right. people like it probably for that reason is why people like it because this is not. You know, I'm I'm definitely not Brad Pitt out there, but uh, they just they like Tom Riley because he's your everyman, and they accept that. So that is flattering. But I really enjoy the planning and what goes in behind. In fact, there was one uh, Mitch, the guy who got his head cut off in Haunted Highway. <laughs> he paid me probably one of the biggest compliments I ever got paid. That scene we did with his head in the bag and his girlfriend cutting off his head. Yeah. I um that they didn't know we were going to do that. When they showed up, I told them the idea and they liked it. We did it. And I told him that, you know, I was eating dinner and I thought that would be cool. And he said, you were eating dinner tonight <laughs> and thought that would be cool. And I said, yeah. So I just like pulled that idea out of my ass <laughs> and then we filmed it and made it happen. And he said, that's incredible that three hours ago you came up with this idea and now it's in the film. It turned out to be one of the best scenes in that movie. Yeah, that that movie is uh, it's it's really interesting. I like how you've evolved and you kind of made like a relevant, you know, like everyone uses those pickup, you know, yeah. Uber, or Lyft. So I really like that you kind of incorporated that into a film, and you really you knocked that one out of the park. I, I really I really mean, enjoyed that. Even even most of the movies are still grounded in like, oh hey, like there's a cell phone. Oh hey, home cameras. Like all of this stuff is. It's all new and relative, and it's stuff that everybody can attach to. Right, yeah, for sure. Well, well, the security cameras were GoPros on camera stands. Oh, really? And then it, after the first one, I, uh, it, you know, I would have to put those stands back in the exact same place and angle the, same, the camera the same way. And it might take five or ten minutes to line that up. And I only had one GoPro for the first film. We thought you just I had guess. some really nice security yeah, cameras. Yeah, those in your those house. legitimately looked well, like you set up like 12, 13 cameras in your house. Well, I actually um made the GoPro footage look a little rougher than it actually would so that it was more believable security cameras. But I came up with an invention for the third film which had got these little stick-on shelves that you just stick on the wall and you can, you know, those 3M things where you pull the tape and you can take it off. Oh, yeah. And I took foam that I got at, like, Michael's Craft Store, and I cut out a little shape of the GoPro, glued it to the shelf, and put it in a place on the wall where the camera's supposed to be. So now I could just take my GoPro, hit the, the record button, and stick it up there in that little form on the shelf, and it was pointing exactly where I wanted to. So I went from having to spend five to 10 minutes to align the camera perfectly to spending about five seconds. So (laughs) that's pretty awesome. You have any more? Well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, every now and then I come up with a good idea. So do, uh, do those little shelving units have like, permanent fixtures in in the house like to, just in case you get an idea where you want to set it up and be like all right bad ben number eight let's go <laughs> well those shelves are still up but uh that's awesome but they ma- 
they match the wall, so you can't really see them. If you, I mean, if you're looking for them, I guess you can. Okay, so, so there was some forward planning of, hey, I don't want to have to put these up and take these down all the time. Let's make them match everything else. That's awesome. Well, you can actually slide them off in the little things they affix to you can't really see but i just leave them. i mean what who the hell is coming over here i don't <laughs> care I'll, I'll put a little you know figurine up there on them one of my little star wars figures or my avenger figures so i i guess we're we're pretty much done with our list but since you were talking about liking the filming and editing and directing side of things do you have like a favorite filmmaker or a favorite film that you go, you know what, I want to hit this level. Or like, yeah, like has, has any of them, you know, influenced you into making the movies you made? Well, you know, I break the rules because what ha- I got so tired of trying to sell my stuff to Hollywood and being rejected. And it might just be because my stuff is crap. They might not like it, like my screenplays and all, that I wound up doing my own thing. So I know how I make things happen. I don't know how a lot of people make their stuff happen, but there are like um, certain films that have been made. And in some cases, like I I might not even know who the filmmaker is, but like I told you, I'm a sci-fi fan stuff. When I remember, and you guys might've been born when this was made, I don't know, but Jurassic Park, when I first saw that, I, I sat there in the theater and I was like, how the fuck? That is a dinosaur. <laughs> the yeah, how, how did that happen? Yeah, I'm almost 30, so I was, I was definitely born when this movie came out. And yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching Jurassic Park and just like, wow, that. And even, to, even to, till today, that movie still holds up. And I'm still like, wow, that is some very good CG that they've done. So yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure. Well, when you see the stuff that's decades old, the motion capture, King Kong, for instance, made back in the 30s, that was looked cool. It was all jagged. But today, when you see King Kong made, there's a giant ape on television <laughs> or in the movie screen. Right. That's, that's not CGI. And there's bad CGI, too, in a lot of things. But that's Spielberg is a genius, but I'm far from the only person that thinks that. I got to tell you that in in recent times, like Jordan Peele, I was used to him from Key and Peele being a comedian and that ridiculousness. But when he made that that most recent film, us, he made. I was yeah, I was just like that. That was made by Jordan from Key and Peele, and uh, my roommate. She was like, yeah, I said that's unbelievable to me. So yeah, I admire him as a director. Um, also Spielberg, the stuff he's done is just incredible. I had, uh, I had admired for quite a while, George Lucas for, even though star star Wars is in my opinion, is one of those film series that is more visually appealing than it is the story. Some, some of the acting is just bad. Oh, you had Christian that, but, Haydenson, um, who was awful in the in the prequels. So. Hayden Christensen. What did I say? Christian Haydenson. Whatever. <laughs> fucking. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew. Well, you know, the girl, uh, Porter, that was in that. Oh, Portman. Nat- Natalie Portman, yeah. Right. She actually talked about how they were instructed to kind of be that monotone type voice and how it hurt her feelings so bad. <laughs> 
that people thought she was such a bad actor afterwards. Oh, wow. And that she went on to do Black Swan. That was her, right? Yeah, she did. That was a That's a crazy movie. <laughs> she went on to win an Academy Award, so I think she got over the broken heart of people making <laughs> fun of her. But, you know, George Lucas, until I've seen him in some interviews, and he's a bit of a weird dude. Okay. Actually, in The Haunted Highway, the voice of the car, yeah. Uh, was this guy Josh Thompson who did Morgan Freeman's voice. And that was one of the most unique experiences I've had in the years I've been doing these films. Uh, he followed me on Twitter. And Josh was on, on when there was the late show, the late, late show with Craig Ferguson. Yeah. Josh was the voice of Jeff, the robot skeleton sidekick. That was and him. He, yeah, wow. and he also does voices for Family Guy, and there's other animated series, and he does this Morgan Freeman that's just out of this world. And well, it's, it's funny, because like, I was watching the movie, and I legitimately thought you somehow got Morgan Freeman to narrate some shit, and I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome, but it's, it was some dude, that dude, that sounded pretty spot on to me, I'm not going to lie. Well, he sounded, he sounded so good, I had to say to him, I said, Josh. I'm not going to get sued by Morgan Freeman for this, am I? <laughs> and he said, no, it's, I mean, obviously he's been through this many times. It's a parody account. Right. Uh, it's, so it's, it fits into something of law. But Josh right now, anybody, I, his name is Josh Robert Thompson, Josh R. Thompson. He's got um, YouTube videos and on his Twitter and I encourage anybody that can follow him on Twitter because he right now has these videos where he's look is acting like and talking like George Lucas and they're it's, it's side splitting humor. And I was honored to have him want to be involved in my film. Yeah. Okay. So Jobber, Jobber. Wow. Joshua Robert Thompson, check him out on Twitter. I'm, I'm actually going to go check that out because oh, yeah. he did a very good impersonation of uh, Morgan Freeman. Now, uh, wrapping up here, is there anything else you want to say about, about your movies, any plugs you want to throw out bad Ben TV? I mean, just go ahead and say whatever you want and then we'll just go ahead and, uh, and, uh, wrap this up. Well, the one thing I will say is to people who, um, are trying to break into the industry and all, there's going to come a time you, you never have to resort to kissing ass and there is no shortcuts, but there comes a time when there's two things. Number one, you might not be cut out for it, period. Because if people keep giving you the same feedback about what you're doing, then maybe you need to listen to some people and alter the way you do things. Now I'm going to totally contradict myself and say, sometimes those people don't know shit. And you got to find a way to do it your own way. And I did that. I just got tired of trying to break through the industry into the industry. I wasn't going to kiss anybody's ass, even though Amazon has cut the pay down to a measly one cent per hour. It is in many cases, it is still the best way that anybody can get anything they make on a major streaming service and to get noticed. And these people that want to be filmmakers, constantly I find that people come up with excuses for why they can't. Try coming up with reasons why you can. Anybody that owns an iPhone today or, or a Galaxy, the cameras are so freaking good in those things, you could make a film with them. And as long as the story's good, 
you can get away with not having a million dollar camera of the film you're shooting. So I've had people contact me with brilliant ideas. And I said, why aren't you making that a movie? So just find your niche, find your, you know, what you want to do and, and just keep making stuff, keep making it, keep putting it together and put it on Amazon, even put it on YouTube, uh, find different places. Now there's companies out there like film hub, for instance, where you could take, they don't charge you anything to put your films on any of the streaming channels and you get to keep 80% of whatever they make when they stream. So people just it, don't give up, make your shit, stop coming up with excuses for why you're not doing stuff, get it done, put it out there. Do you what heard, I did. You heard it from him, from Nigel himself. Do your shit and get it out there. <laughs> um, Nigel, I, I want to just thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we really appreciate you calling in. I felt like this was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, next week, guys, go ahead and tune in. We'll be back with something. I'm not going to spoil anything. But until uh, then, stay tuned and stay spooky. Spooky.